Welcome back to this week's walkthrough where we check off every single one of real estate's most trending topics of the week. And we are going to have a interesting show here. We're doing our first three topic show. Good thing because of the amount of glitches we've already had in the pre-show and fun and laughs. It's, it's always an entertaining show here on the walkthrough. Taya DiCarlo, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to have you. And Tom Tool, welcome back to the show. Everybody knows Tom. Everybody knows Taya. I'm Byron Lazine, along with your co-host, Eric Simon, the broke agent. Tom, you feeling good? Feeling great. You're looking, I gave you such a great compliment pre-show. Yeah, you look and furious. Then, and then you went out of the room. I said, you, you look fantastic. I took it back and said, you're one of the I mean that's uh, just a lie. So you might not don't don't tell people that. But uh <laughs> so if you're listening, go over to the YouTube and check out how good Tom looks. All right. Topic number one, it's EXP week. None of us are there. It's happening in Orlando. It's their conference week. I talked to Dustin Brom, who was on the walkthrough last week when we had him and Paige Steckling. If you missed that, go check it out. I talked to him this morning. He's there, he's in Orlando. You see all kinds of EXP agents and team leaders posting about the conference this week. And I've got Dustin's, the massive agents, biggest takeaways from the conference. So first, why don't you, uh, Bobby, put up the photo that we, this is a BAM exclusive photo, by the way, oh, wow. Dustin, Dustin, Great quality. His, his cell phone <laughs> straight from the conference. And so his big takeaway is the financial structure that EXP has over other brokerages. He, he really saluted their structure to being a virtual brokerage when COVID hit. Obviously, they are the fastest growing brokerage. They grew through COVID. And now this time going through this market shift, he's really fanboying the uh, investments that they're going to be able to make. The fact that they have zero debt. Uh, they, they're making acquisitions right now on free cash flow while other brokerages, he says, are backing off. Uh, Realogy, for example, you can see here, has 2x the debt versus their market cap. So they have two times the debt than they are worth on the stock market. Uh, he also talked about this personal development that EXP is doing. So he says EXP made another stride towards its emphasis on personal development when EXP World Holdings bought Success, Success Magazine, which I didn't understand the, the purchase at the time. I said that in the real word. Glenn Sanford, their CEO, said that EXPA, XP is a personal development company disguised as a real estate brokerage. So we've heard like companies say, hey, we're a tech company disguised as a real estate brokerage. They're saying personal development. And now they are going to be incentivizing leaders to uh, basically with a rev share model on this success coaching, which is they bought that magazine. Now they're doing success coaching and they're doing a second rev share model for their agents. So those are the big takeaways from the conference. Before I get everybody's reaction, we can put up Mike Del Predi's, uh charts. He had a piece in Inman this week. Holy crap. And his piece was what's giving EXP the edge right now. So EXP is hot. Okay. Uh, again, 85,000 agents are the fastest growing in 
the world right now. So EXP operating expenses per transaction Q1 2022, $691. You see Realogy is about 8,000 bucks. Redfin's 8,500, Compass 8,800, and Douglas Element is almost 10K per transaction. So that's what's going on in EXP's world right now. They are talking all about it all week in Orlando. You could take those down, Bobby. I want to go right to reactions. I'm glad we're not in Orlando. Not a week I'd want to be in Orlando. They should have had their- Surrounded by a bunch of EXP agents. I can't well, think of anything worse, actually. I wouldn't mind that. I, lo I love a, a bunch of people there. Same, same. Just, uh, you know, they should have had it maybe somewhere. It's the summertime and EXP has no debt. Maybe, maybe go somewhere a little bit with a, a little less of a heat wave going on. Tom Tool. Your reaction to all of this, there's a lot here, the zero debt, the financial structure, how they're better positioned to make acquisitions, their operating expenses, break it down, unpack it. What do you think this means for the industry? So what I know about eXp is that they do have the cloud model, which there's something to that post COVID. So obviously expenses are going to be lower when you don't have offices and you're having people work from home. So I think that makes a lot of sense. When it comes to how much real estate their agents are actually selling, I think that's the big question mark. I mean, there, there's 80,000 agents. Are they? What's their per agent productivity? There's companies like Remax, who I work with, or other companies that are in the double digits in terms of what their agents are actually selling. And EXP has a lot of people that don't sell a lot of real estate. So, of course, it's, it's going to be rose-colored glasses with them. Uh, I do give them credit for not having a lot of debt on their balance sheet versus like a compass who is cutting people left and right. They've gone through their second round of layoffs in 24 months. So that's great. And I also wouldn't go to Orlando in the summer. I think that's a poor business decision. I mean, who who came up with this? Uh, Byron, how do you feel about Glenn Sanford? I mean, you've had some interactions with him. Is this something you're, <laughs> love, you're okay with? Well, I think Glenn's obviously a pioneer in the industry. He, he, he did give me that awkward interaction. I don't know. Is this the right time to tell yes. that story, Tom? Describe it, please. I was there. Right. So tell Tom the story. Tom was standing right there. Glenn Sanford, CEO of EXP. And obviously, he's super successful. He's done so much. So I, I walk up to Glenn at T360 this year. We were in San Antonio. Hey, Glenn, love what you've done. You know, you're a pioneer. You know, smoke, smoke, smoke. And I say, hey, love to, oh love to have you on the podcast. And, you know, I just had Nick Bailey, CEO of Remax Global. We've got the whole setup. And he looks at me and goes, oh, yeah, 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 love to do it. And then he literally, so I'm like, great, you know, we can, you know, we can do it now. We can do it. You know, it's all set up. He literally just like started shaking his head and said, do you know where the uh, executive lounge is? And then just walked away from me, just completely just walked away from Complete me. Complete like, big league right there. Like he just this, this vaporized This is 100% accurate, by the way. I was, I was a bystander here. This is exactly <laughs> what happened. I was standing there like he just like, he walked through me like I was a cloud. Now, I think he had a lot on his mind. <laughs> I think he, oh, that's great. In fairness to Glad, I think he had a lot going on and I am a nobody in comparison. So... Yeah, he just straight up blasted through me. It was, it was odd though. It was an odd experience, Tom. Do you have, you have my back on that? I, it was, it was very odd, considering we had just met with another CEO of a big real estate company, and 
super gracious, super nice. Now, he did know who I was. We had set it up beforehand versus Byron accosting him in the hallway. At a I'm a pioneer. You probably freaked out. About coming out. to his hotel room later. So there might be <laughs> yeah. part of that. Hey, let's but, do a pod right now. Pioneer. You're a pioneer. <laughs> um, no wonder why you got the hell out of pi- what, what I'll close with, though, here, and I, I do want to end with this, and then uh, yeah. I'd love to hear what, what Ty has to say. Is well, that, it's it's Taya though, it's Tom. So. Taya, well, I can't pronounce it. It's from Philadelphia. You're never coming back on the walkthrough again after that. That was, a, that was a horrific. Considering I had a, an hour's days. notice, should be happy I'm on. But uh, listen, I haven't had anybody correct my name pronunciation like besides myself. So to have two gentlemen correct the pronunciation of my name, I'm like, thanks, guys. Anyway, Taya, we are your knights in shining armor. <laughs> we will fight to the death for you. Sorry, go ahead, Tom. You were saying so, something so what, really interesting on the on the Mike Del Pre article. Uh, they, they talked about transactions in Q1 versus Compass and then their operating expense. Yeah, but you and can put that up, uh, Bobby. I, I do think this is super relevant here because these are two companies that have really made did, done some damage with recruiting and taken people from other companies over the past 24 months. Compass and EXP, we've seen a lot of movement to those places. Yep. The, the sounder business model, clearly in my view, especially looking at Compass's stock price, that's $4 now, it's down 75% since their IPO is keeping expenses down and selling more real estate versus spending all kinds of money and buying agents and then not being able to back it up with transactions. It's it's, a much more sound business model. It's certainly the opposite. Their operating expenses are a fraction of compasses and their transactions are dwarfing compasses. Taya, you are a luxury compass agent, one of the best in the country will let you, I didn't know we were going to get into maybe a little debate here, but we'll let you respond to the attacks specifically from Tom tool. Of course. I think that they're like, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors going on with EXP. I think that, you know, look, I have a lot of friends who are EXP agents and I know that in jest with, uh, between two lock boxes, I was joking around about EXP, but in all seriousness, like you have to give credit where credit's due. Yes. There's been growth. Yes. They have no debt, but as you said, they're a virtual model and based on conversations I've had with actual EXP agents, the agents that are going to EXP, and again, this is a generalization, they don't want the support. They want the better split. So they're going there for a hundred percent split. They get to be kind of like a, you know, wild west, do whatever the hell they want. And they care less about the brand and they want to be like the Lone Ranger, just going out and doing business and then capping and keeping a hundred percent of their commission. Whereas someone like me, I'm in Los Angeles, Compass has the highest market share in all of LA and LA sells, LA has some of the most luxurious high priced real estate in the country. So you have agents who want the competitive edge in California and what do they do? They go to the brokerage that's actually going to, you know, give them tools, give them support, whether that be virtual and in person. So for me personally, I've been at Compass, I was the founding agent in the South Bay of Los Angeles, I have found that it has made a huge impact on my career. And I like being at a brokerage where I have a lot of support. I would never go to EXP because that model just doesn't work for me. And quite frankly, the reason why I wouldn't go to EXP, no offense to anyone at Keller Williams, I don't want to be at a brokerage where people are getting paid to recruit, right? They're getting a piece of the action. It's like a a pyramid structure. I don't want to say pyramid scheme, but like, correct me if I'm wrong. It's a pyramid. Right? Nothing wrong with saying it's a pyramid. Like this. 
Right. Yep. So, I mean, so for me, that's just my two cents, but like, I mean, to each their own, I think at the end of the day, the individual agent is going to be what makes the difference in their career. And if you need the support, there's a brokerage for that. If you need less support and you want a higher split and you want to pay out of pocket for all those things that are going to benefit your business, knock yourself out. Um, so I don't want to knock any brokerage here, but I don't think that anyone should be poo-pooing Compass because Compass actually does a ton for their agents. And even though there might be debt on the books, I mean, that company has done things that have made other brokerages react and improve. And that's a fact. And, there, and there's no such thing as a hundred percent split to your point, the support, the different things Compass is doing for you as an agent, it is working to give you that competitive edge in your market, which happens to be a luxury market. I said that there's nothing, uh, no, no such thing as a hundred percent split. You may be at a lower split at, at a certain brokerage, but what are you getting between a hundred and say what, wherever you're at, you know, to make up for what you're investing into your business essentially. And, you know, Tom and I, and we talk about this all the time, obviously with teams and, and that kind of thing. The point about the luxury market is a really good point because yep. EXP is not, there's very few markets in the country where they have significant market share in a true luxury market. So you will see not only agents, but homeowners flock to a more established brand, whether they're an independent brand who has taken over market share in that particular community or, or one that's just doing things at a much higher level in terms of the marketing. Uh, point number two I'll make about, I guess, EXP in general is, you know, we, we have seen a lot of agents to, to Tom's point about the per agent productivity. We, we have seen a lot of agents from EXP that are flaking out or it's easy for big teams like mine or Tom's to go pick off these agents and re we've recruited well uh, you know, on, on, against the XP, because that if the, that agent is not on a mega team, if they're not on a Dan beer team in San Diego, a Kyle whistle team, a Mark Pattison team, one of these types of teams at EXP, it's, it's easy for them to get lost in the shuffle. So, you know, some of these teams that I just mentioned, and there's others that, you know, we're all friends with everybody's friends with people know in the industry, they're doing a great job and they could do it anywhere. Right. Um, the, the financial structure is interesting. The fact that they have zero debt, they're a public traded company. That is a fact. Uh, that's an advantage to, for them. I agree with Dustin, the massive agent that that is something that is going to work to their benefit over the next 24 months. You will see companies and compass is going to be one of them that has to go into a little bit of a retreat mode over the next 24 months. Compass has they've gone all growth leading up to this point. So they've been in acquisition mode and EXP now being able to continue to make acquisitions over the next 24 months is going to be to their advantage because things are going to be on sale over the next 24 months. So they're going to get some deals where maybe Compass or Realogy or many of the other brokerages, not picking on anybody in particular, maybe bought things top of the market. Can the I make one comment? Four years. Please. Um, you know, I'm always like seeing things on the upside, but let's be honest, there's a lot of people who have been uh, realtors for the last three years that may not be working full time in real estate over the course oh, of the yeah. next two to three years. So I actually think that as far as, um, you know, the number of agents, I think that we're going to see some of these numbers and charts shake up because of what's going to happen with how many people are actually going to be able to thrive.
have a lucrative career full-time as a real estate agent. Yeah, I think, I mean, even a fast-growing company like EXP, they are a recruiting machine. So I think you'll, you'll, you'll maybe start to see them as they lose people to your point that just get out of the industry. You may just start seeing a flat line because I think they're still going to, going to expand into new markets and, and accumulate totally. talent. Um, Tom, you know, I think a point that you made too, and, and then we'll end with this, check this one off, go to the next topic is that Remax is, you know, cause I know you had to fanboy Remax, obviously that their per agent productivity is amongst the highest and, and that's spot on. And you know, there's going to be, there, there, there's going to be a lot of flavors, right? There's going to be a lot of brands that are, are going to be out there for the next, you know, foreseeable future in real estate. Tom, you and I sat down with Nick Bailey, the CEO of Remax, and he talks about that. Like, you know, if, if you don't want to pay a fee and you don't want to do a lot of deals, like you shouldn't be at Remax. Like you, you've got to yep. do a lot of production. You've got to be a high producing entrepreneur if you want to be at Remax. And he said, basically, if you don't want to fit into that box, we're not going to be a fit for you. And they're, they're you know, such a great brand. And you should check out that podcast on the BAM YouTube, if you have not already. All right, check that one off. Topic number two, home sales are declining, okay? Everybody, agents and our consumers in our marketplaces have seen these headlines, whether it's Wall Street Journal, whether it's CNBC. I mean, CNBC, sales of existing homes fell in May and more declines are expected. Realtor Mag, home sales retreat to pre-pandemic levels. Inman, Fannie Mae downgrades home sales expectations for 2022 and 2023. We'll get into those projections. We covered that on The Real World this week as well. On and on and on. Wall Street Journal, everybody uh, talked about this. All right, so Fannie Mae is saying, okay, we're going to be close to five point. All right, Bobby, you can get over the, off the thumbnail. I'll go to the charts. You know, I, got, I love the charts. All right. He pauses on the thumbnail just to stick it to me. All right, so home sales projected to fall by 13.5% this year and another 11.2% in 2023. If that number in 2023 comes true, this is a Fannie Mae projection. That would mean that we would see 4.671 million homes in 2023, existing homes sold. We're on pace this year to see 5.2 million. Okay, so that's basically going back before 2020, 5.2 million though in the last 10 years is pretty normal. You can see the chart here. Those under 5 million, those 4 million, like 4.6 million, like Fannie Mae's projecting, that would be as low as 2011. It'd be the lowest existing home sales since 2011. Tom, what do you make of all these headlines that this week, especially, they were everywhere. Existing home sales are drop dropping. There are less sales, less transactions. Some consumers are going to read that as prices are going down. I think you and I would both agree that's not the case. But what do you make of all this? So th th there's a lot to unpack here. And just all, the, all these headlines, and we said this before, it's, it's so freaking negative constantly. And you've got to really be able to parse through the data. And that's, that's why people like all of us, except Eric, because he doesn't sell any houses, have jobs and consult with consumers. So... I think it's really important to important to mention that because you have to be able to unpack that with people. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you like that one. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, great that's joke. Right. That's Eric's the one reaction. I almost just fought Leonetti on the Overass podcast for. <laughs> that joke is dead, I think, at this point, right, guys? I mean, look, it's we like started broke agent. Uh, I've the, been doing broke agent. Here, so. I've been doing broke agent for it, the last seven years. I gotta it, defend myself over here. I, I will don't defend sell houses. I never want to sell houses. This is I what I don't I'm blame doing. you. You're on my show. This is this is if you were to hire rambling. If you'd be if you'd hire Eric, keep spitting out the KCM talking points. It would be like hiring you know, Larry David to come list your house. He, he'd come over and just insult your wife, something no, like that. I was so a good realtor. Go ahead. No, I'm sure you were a good realtor because you're an honest guy, but I will defend you. And I will say, Eric, the broke agent is more plugged into this industry than 95% of active agents because he lives in Including you, Tom. every day. Agreed. Not about me, but everyone else. Sure. I'll agree to that. Uh, so th the thing a lot of people aren't talking about is see that spike in home sales over the past 24 months. There's been a ton of cash in the system from the government that people couldn't spend money on. And rates were so low. I mean, 3%. And people are buying, you know, million dollar houses are a big deal where I live, maybe not out in California. People are buying these homes at 3%. Well, now the rate has literally doubled. I mean, you could get into a home for a million, a million two, or like a $6,000 monthly payment, which is bananas in my view. There's so much cash that was in the system that people were spending it because they had nowhere else to spend it. And now that we're seeing, all these things happen with rates go up, the stock market's down. People are a little more conscious of what they're spending money on. And it was kind of a once in a lifetime opportunity to upgrade your home and keep the payment almost the same. So of course, yeah. sales are going to come down because there's people out there that can't afford the homes that they bought over the past 24 months just because of rates. To me, what I see here is this is an opportunity for agents that really want to double down on their business to make hay like a lot of people did from 2008 to 2013 and learn how to really work a market. There's an opportunity for a purge coming in real estate with the number of agents has already started to drop. We already talked about that here on the show. And there's going to be people that really need a knowledge broker or someone that's a local economist that can guide them through this. So I don't see prices going down because we've still got a supply and demand issue. In Philadelphia, in the suburban counties, we have two thirds of the month supply of homes on the market right now, literally 20 days. In Philadelphia itself, a little bit of different market. It's a 2.2 month supply through the end of May. A normal market's considered six. So we're still going to see prices go up at a normal level. This is a normal market. It was an incredible market the past 24 months. We're entering a normal market right now. And the cash just isn't in the system anymore from all the government money that was out there, especially at the, you know, that first and second quarter in 2020. Yeah, Bobby, throw the KCM chart up, Tom. To your point, there's so many headlines out there. And that's a that's a gift to steal a Tom Tool phrase that he uses all the time. This is a gift, agents, to you that there are all these headlines on CNBC, on Wall Street Journal, on all these places that your consumers are seeing. And using a chart like this that, to Tom's point, shows a normal level for 2022. If it's 5.2 million sales or the, the number that they have here, which is, you know, they're sourcing NAR, as you can see down in the bottom right-hand corner, 5.6 million projections is a NAR projection. Fannie Mae's the 5.2 million. Whether it's, you know, if it's anything over 5 million, we're at a normal market. And so there's an opportunity here for the agents that don't take the summer off, that dig into their business to go out and sell a record amount of homes for their business. Let me say that again. While the market may decline year over year, every agent has an opportunity to create a record year for them and their organization. 
Taya, what do yep. you make of all these headlines? Two things that I want to bring up. Um, I agree with what Tom's saying, but I want to bring up the fact that we need to control expectations. I think that a lot of us are having more difficult conversations with our sellers, right? Letting them know that, say, look, you have multiple offers, but they're coming in right at asking or right below because the buyers are looking at the national news. They're motivated by fear yeah. and misinformation, and they think that they can negotiate below list. Right. So I think that there's a conversation that needs to be had about just expectations in general for buyers and sellers in a normal market. The buyer is able to negotiate a little bit. Right. And we've had an unpre unprecedented amount of time where that's literally not been the case, where buyers have no power. They have no say. They have to waive all contingencies. And that's not happening anymore. But sales are happening. And I think that this is a blip that we're going to see a little decline in the number of sales. But number of sales is not value. Right. I think this is my second point. I also think that because we have so many homeowners who locked in at such a low interest rate, some people like two and a half percent, these people don't have to sell. In the last market crash where we had a real estate re related crash, people were in a position and, where they had to sell. And right? that's that's why we're seeing, that's one of the big reasons we're going to see less sales over the next 12 to 24 months. Yeah, because what's the motivation? And, and here's yeah. what we may be seeing. We may be seeing, and I'm having this conversation with a lot of my homeowners here who are considering selling because now they're like, well, shit, I better, if I'm going to test the market, now is the moment to test the market. And yeah. if I can't get my number, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to rent it out, babe, because I can cash flow. I locked in. My mortgage is super low. And if if rents are on the rise because fewer home sales are happening, they are. then rents are going to go up maybe just a little bit. And now they can rent their place out and rent somewhere else if they really do need a lifestyle change. But they don't necessarily have to sell their homes. So I think that there's a lot of nuances to all the news that's out there. And remember that we live in, in, the, in a world where clickbait and fear rules. Jared James had a great Instagram video this week where he talks about the fact that rents are up 12 to 15%. So, you know, if you're like, Taya just dropped some gems, by the way, on scripts of what to say to buyers. So if you're like listening on 2X speed, go back and listen on 1X because there's some real value you can pull out there and start using that in those conversations. And what Jared said on his Instagram video, Jared James today, he said, listen, just ask the buyers. Rents are up 12 to 15%. Who do you want to start building equity for? Do you want to continue to build equity for your landlord over the next 12 months? Or do you want to start building equity for yourself right now? I know what my decision would be. It's your decision. It should be clear. Which one is it, right? And so just having those types of conversations where, you know, listen, there's not really anybody saying home values are going to drop. So the, that's why these headlines are so confusing because the consumer sees it quickly. Real estate is down. Uh-oh, prices are coming down. No, 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 no. Values are going to continue to increase. So sales are going to drop. Your opportunities are going to become more normalized as a buyer. And the quicker you get in as a buyer, the quicker you can start building your own equity. So love that. Uh, Eric, anything you want to add to this? No. Good. Good. So just... Just go ahead and try kcm.com forward slash bam. The link is below. Get this timely content. All right. Eric's a master at timely content. Yeah, KCM is just as good at timely content. They help agents build the trust. Tom, how, how important is trust in the real estate transaction? If you don't build trust, you're not going to sell houses. You're not going to sell houses. So build trust in your market. Everything. 
It's done for you. It's branded to you. You can try it for free because BAM is hooking you up. (laughs) TryKCM.com forward slash BAM. The link is below. Get some of this content that can help you navigate all of the unclarity that the headlines are creating. All right, TikTok. Ooh, yeah. Finally. TikTok. Something worth talking about here. TikTok takeover. Eric wrote an article on BAM, Instagram needs to chill. He's sourcing a CNBC article where the former Facebook employee and now TikTok's president of Global Solutions said the following about Instagram. They've built all their algorithms based on the social graph. That is their core competency. Ours is not. We're an entertainment platform. The difference is significant. <laughs> it's a massive difference. Bobby, just Bobby get off the there. picture of Ditto, the Pokemon. For God's uh, unbelievable, sake. Way more Bobby. Interesting stuff I, in I'm this, sitting right? here jamming these, monster. these unbelievable comments from this TikTok exec, and you are just – there you go. All right. Uh, yeah, there right, you go, gone. Bobby. All right, so they're an entertainment platform. They're not what Facebook is. How important, Eric, is it for agents right now to take this moment serious and start going all in on TikTok production. Well, they have to because Instagram, if you haven't noticed, has been so all over the place. It's infuriating. That's actually why I'm pissed off today is because my engagement has been terrible. No, that's not the reason, but it is so frustrating what's been going on with Instagram the last six months, whether it's spam comments, it's accounts being taken down, it's algorithmic changes, engagements all over the place, follower counts are getting swiped. It's just nonstop changes from Instagram because they're doing everything they can to copy TikTok, understandably, because TikTok is way more more entertaining. You do have a better chance to grow, and it's just a better platform to consume content on. So agents have to get on TikTok, obviously. But the real point of this article, I think, was that there was something interesting that he said there, that Instagram and Facebook's like core is about being a social network. And I do agree with that. Like I liked Instagram when I could check up on my friends. I wanted to see what they were doing on the weekends. I want to watch their Instagram stories. I kind of like the chronological aspect of it. Now I feel like it's trying to be TikTok so much that everyone is just creating content for the algorithm Mm -hmm. and it feels so forced. And I'm not enjoying my experience scrolling as much because everything is now a suggested post, which is obviously great for people who want to actually grow because your content could be put in front of accounts that don't follow you. But I want to follow accounts that I like. I want to see what my friends are doing. TikTok exists. I like to scroll through TikTok and then I like to scroll through Instagram. I want to have slightly different experiences. So the Instagram CEO is actually using the same language as this guy that you just mentioned. What's his name? Blake Chanley or something. He's like the globalist, the head of global communications. Global solutions or some (laughs) global solutions. Yeah, whatever the hell that means. He used to work at Facebook and he's saying that this pivot by Facebook and Instagram of trying to be TikTok might not work because other companies have tried to do this when they you know, stray away from their core. Google became Google Plus or tried Google Plus, which was their social network that failed miserably. Instagram is originally supposed to connect people and be a social network with Facebook. And now they're just becoming an entertainment app too. I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting really pissed off with Instagram. Well, Bobby, throw that, that chart back up. And as a, uh, you know, somebody who creates content, Eric, you're getting you know, frustrated for a certain reason, but users are bailing right on Instagram and Facebook. And you can see TikTok engagement just keeps skyrocketing. So average monthly hours spent per user, 
TikTok's at 25.7 hours per month on average. Facebook, 16 hours. Shocking that, that Facebook is still that high to me. Instagram, 7.9 hours. So people are on TikTok a whole lot longer. I think their algorithm is so sophisticated that it delivers you banger after banger after banger. From you know an agent perspective, if you're thinking about your content schedule and where you should be allocating your production, TikTok to me has to be at the top of the list. I've had a great week on Instagram, Eric. I, I know you, you've your numbers are down. I'm loving my numbers, but my TikTok numbers are blowing my Instagram wa- numbers out of the water this week. Mm-hmm. Just in the last seven days, I have a 16,000 view video, a 68,000 view video. That one's continuing to rise. A 41,000 view video, a 42,000 view, right, and right, a 67,000 right, yeah. view. I mean, yeah, I don't yeah. have... We don't need to list your entire library here. We understand that's just, TikTok. But that's just in... I want to make a point. That's just in yeah. the last seven days... And I don't have any Instagram reels that are anywhere close to that level. Uh, you know, follower account is a little bigger on TikTok, but you know, th- those are some real numbers. It grows the awareness on your other accounts, whether that's a YouTube or, uh, you know, an Instagram. There's a lot of power in TikTok. I would go all in if I were you. Taya, you've had some real success on TikTok. Yeah, I love I love TikTok. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. Over the last six months, I've actually spent more time consuming TikTok than I have television. Um, strictly because wow. I find that it's like a great outlet for whatever you want it to be. So for me, I love stand-up comedy. I love like watching funny videos. Like for me, that is an escape from my normal life where before I go to bed, I I can scroll TikTok and I get exactly what I want for my For You page. Whereas my other friend, she's getting all sorts of like organizing tips and Diet Coke funny videos. I'm like, this is so random that we each have our own like channel, right? Whereas Instagram, I can't knock them for at least trying to tap into that because we, again, live in a society where the the money rules, the dollar rules, and you want to go where all the eyes are because that's where all the money is, right? As far as opportunities for marketing and advertising. So I think Instagram needs to come up with something that's more genuine to who they are as a core, which as Eric said, is a social network. TikTok, you're not there to find your friends. As a matter of fact, I don't want my friends to find me on TikTok. I want new people to find me on TikTok. I want to discover new people. When I go to Instagram, I don't give a shit about new people. Like I really, I don't want to see a 15 second clip of someone in Portugal. You know what I mean? Oh, sorry. That's all right, Taya. Just Um, slam its head against the wall. (laughs) As long as you didn't, as long as you didn't Ricky Caruth your dog. But my, my my point is, is that. It's like speaking two different languages. TikTok speaks one language, Instagram speaks another, and Instagram is trying way too hard to copy them and it's coming off as disingenuous and they're missing the mark completely. I think they should go back to what worked before even if that means that they're going to have a uh, lower viewership. Yeah, they may just they may just have to settle for second place. Go ahead, Eric. Yeah, I mean, people want to consume content differently also, right? Like when I go on Instagram, I do want to see memes. I do want to see slideshow posts. I want to see text-based posts. And maybe it's self-serving because the majority of my content is memes. I see Tom smirking there for some reason. But <laughs> like that that sort of variety is what makes Instagram special, I think. Like TikTok is all videos. So now if I have to start doing all videos, it's like you're driving off a lot of creators that are either artists, photographers, or memers that kind of 
raise that platform up initially. And now they're just gonna be like, well, fuck it. I'm getting, you know, 70% less likes than I did before my followings down. I'm just going to go to TikTok and just leave Instagram altogether because they're trying to be something that they're not. So yeah, I'm pissed. Yeah. Tom, you've been now the last few months making a push on TikTok. How's that experience been? Not as good as everybody else's, but uh, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I think my... You're not a hot girl, I put out, I think, uh, I, well, yeah, I, I mean, might have something to do with it. I mean, this blazer I have on might say otherwise, but uh, it's so... <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, it's something I've had a couple that, that have popped off. I mean, my stuff's really like sales skills based, like that's the audience I'm looking for. So it's done better on Instagram, but my view is that you just got to post this stuff everywhere and see what happens and keep going. And you got to be consistent. Um, we were down at the Boomtown conference and Eric said, I've been posting for seven years on a schedule. Like that's how you got to approach these things. So I'm in it for the long game. Um, Eric's right. I'm not a hot girl. So it's a little bit of a different sort of vibe. Uh, but you got to keep putting that stuff out there. And like, I've also been putting stuff out on YouTube shorts now. And like, I'm just using every platform possible to continue to grow the base that I'm trying to grow. And look, not that many people are interested in selling real estate versus like the consumer facing stuff. Ours is centered around like-minded agents that are either in my marketplace or somewhere else that I can help with conversion techniques. And that's, that's going to be a much smaller audience, but that's okay. And that, and that, that that's been my approach to it. YouTube I, shorts have been, has been the best thing that ever happened to my personal YouTube. I think the big takeaway here is if you're not producing short form video, you're going to be left behind on all platforms, you know, not just TikTok, but but Instagram and YouTube as they try to chase TikTok. Go ahead, Taya. I was just going to say, I think, and I could be wrong, but I think that TikTok, as far as the people who are registered and engaging every single day are more consumers than they are creators, right? Like people, Agreed. a lot yeah. of people are on TikTok. They've never posted a video. They've never shared anything. They're just there to consume. Whereas Instagram, if even if you're just the average Joe or a stay at home mom, like you're posting pictures of your family, you're consuming and you're creating. So I think that th that's, that's something that I just wanted to point out that whatever platform you choose to be on, um, you know, and not to take us on a totally different tangent, but like even something like LinkedIn is very valuable for business professionals. I just went on a, a yeah. lunch recently where the guy basically said, Hey, I know what you're up to because of LinkedIn. If you weren't posting on LinkedIn and posting on all these platforms, right? But but posting within the language, like I don't post a video that I put on TikTok on LinkedIn. I'm just I'm very uh, particular about the type of content that I put on each platform to make sure that I'm speaking the right language. Because as we've seen with Instagram, when you try and speak a different language on a different platform or try and be something that's not authentically who you are at the core, it just doesn't land right. Yeah, I love it. I love it. That, that was a good one. Eric, anything, final thoughts on that? No, I mean, I, I, I don't want to sound like a bitter, you know, person that is not going to evolve with this platform. I have, I am posting reels. I'm going to do way more front facing content too, because I, you know, run a business and I want this thing to grow as much as possible. And I think everybody should adopt to the, adapt to the algorithm too, because it's important for their business. So I don't want to just be like, I'm complaining about it, but I'm just saying it's really frustrating these constant changes. Eric and is the old man that used to post memes in the snow. Okay. Sure. Yelling in a cloud. That, that's exactly what I was saying. Right room, I love hand, the memes. Look, it's, I mean, it's obviously not just memes. It's reels. I filmed a reel in my car today for 30 minutes. It got deleted in the draft. It literally made me want to chop my phone with an axe. <laughs> Eric, you, it, it took me forever. You actually produced TikTok content before TikTok was a thing. Yeah. When I was you all in it the, the pandemic. When you when you used to take those Snapchat faces, 
Yeah. I mean that I when I see that when you repost that I still laugh my yeah, ass off good. and I'll rewatch it like four times because that that one in particular <laughs> yeah is like the funniest piece of content of all time the in one real where estate. He, he lists the million dollar house and he's got the he deep says, voice. Yeah, like, yeah, my yeah exactly. Right. My well, listing, my... not yours. Well, that's actually a great example of <laughs> so what funny. Instagram has done well, where they have taken from Snapchat and they did stories and they did filters. So Instagram does do a good job at taking from these other platforms and they are doing a good job with this right now. I just think it's a little much and a little quick. My listing, not yours. Greatest line ever uttered in real estate. <laughs> we'll link that down below. We're coming out with a BAM t-shirt that says that. My listing, not yours for all Love the listing it. agents out there. All right. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet to this YouTube channel, if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, love love for you to consider leaving a review and jumping over to YouTube and subscribing to Broke Agent Media on YouTube. Check out the slides for free with KCM. Try kcm.com forward slash BAM. Taya, Tom, thank you guys. This one was so much fun. Really thank appreciate you, you guys me. being being part of the walkthrough again, and we'll see everybody next week.